Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. So Barry Leach, we've got here on the Arcade Attack podcast, really is an honour having you here. So many of your games, uh, your, your soundtracks, I've, I've, I've been brought up on really, especially the classical, classic Amigas, so thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks, man, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, I'd love to start from the early days, I mean, have you got any really early memories of, of music and video games and, and how your two, I assume the two loves collided at one point? Oh yeah, I mean the first video games we saw were uh, it was a local cafe. It had a, I think it had a Space Invaders machine, and then it got an Asteroids machine. Yeah, you know. So from there, as a ten-year-old boy, it was like, holy crap, this is awesome stuff, man! Video games are great. And then uh, it wasn't until like Rob Hubbard, we we started dicking around making demos and stuff on the computer, mm-hmm. and it was when uh, Rob Hubbard. Uh, when I heard Rob Hubbard's demo, his synth sample demo, it was like, wow, this is really a thing. You know, people can you can actually do music on a computer that sounds pretty good. Yeah. And that sparked the love for me that I wanted to get involved with games. I realized it could be a thing. I mean, I'd, I'd done some dicking around with music on a on a borrowed BBC Model B Yeah. Um, that I'd borrowed over the summer one year and I'd put some music on that. And I had a spectrum to start with, so music wasn't... It wasn't so much, it wasn't so capable of doing music. Yeah, it wasn't really known for its real music power, was it, back then, to be fair? No, no. But then the C64 was just mind-blowing. Of course. It's a great yeah. sound chip. Of course, of course. What was your first, um, how did you first properly get into the music industry? What was your big break? Do you remember <coughs> the first sort of game you worked on, for example? Yeah, yeah. It was a game called Icups. Um, I-C-U-P-S. Um I, uh, I I had written a ton of demos by that point, and I'd sent them to every game company in Britain, yeah. and then phoned them all up and said, hey, you guys should buy some of my music. It's awesome. Because I was like 14, 15 at the time. Wow. And eventually, uh, one of them gave in. It was uh, Firebird Software, a guy called Colin Fwig. Um, he uh, he said, you know, this one tune you've written, I, I think I've got a game that will suit. Uh, we'd like to buy it. 
So Good. they bought it, and the, that was my first game published. That's, that's amazing. I mean, did I you, you're 15 at the time. Wow. So that's incredible. I mean, have you ever thought where your life might have been without a break in the music industry? Any ideas? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think, well, what happened was that first game that I did, uh, hmm. the, the magazine reviews for it, well, Zap 64, that was the only one that reviewed it, I think. And yep. uh, they said the music was terrible. <laughs> they gave it like a 49% or something. Oh, no. So after that, I was like, well, fuck, that's it. I'm not going to have a career in writing music for games. So I went, uh, I took a job. Uh, there was an apprenticeship at Rolls-Royce uh, making airplane engines. Really? And Yeah, and that really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Did it? Having to file bits of metal all day, every day. Um, so I... I uh, I gave up that. I, I did a. I, I started a, a two year computing course. Uh, it was one of those. It was an high tech training center. Yeah. And because of my background in computers, I mean, the course was supposed to take two years, but within six months, I'd finished the whole course. I mean, we were. I was writing databases and mm. all these little programs. I was putting scrolling messages in them because I was bored. I could do everything there, so. I was like, well, I need to find something else to do. So, and luckily, around then, some of my buddies were uh, starting to make video games themselves. So, yeah. I, that was Marauder on the Commodore sixty four, and so I did the soundtrack for that, and Zap reviewed it, and I got like eighty three percent or something for sound. They said they loved the music. So after that, it was I was back in the game. Did you think the initial review was harsh? You said forty nine percent. Do you reckon? Do you look back going, actually, yeah, that was a pretty fair, or do you think that was a bit harsh? Because it does sound pretty harsh to me. It was a shit tune. I mean, <laughs> right. like, Zap64 gave Rob Hubbard Spellbound like 53% or mm. 56% for sound. And that that's the definitive piece of Commodore 64 music for me. So it's all in the ear of the beholder, I suppose. Of course, yeah. That's a good quote as well. Um, I mean, you've worked on so many... I mean, you're... you're Looking at the games you've worked on, it's incredible. You've, you, how, I don't know how many years you've been in this in this gig, but thirty-four. Thirty-four, and, and I've worked on four hundred and thirty games. Oh my I had word. to count them all up because people kept asked, asking me, and I was like, I don't know, two hundred or something. So I added them all up, and it came to four hundred and twenty-nine. And then I did another one just so I'd have four hundred and thirty. That's <laughs> amazing. I mean, I've spoken to Tommy Tallarico before. I think he's got the official Guinness World Record for the most. Soundtracks, but I reckon you're cutting him close. To be fair, look at that, four hundred twenty-nine. I think I've, I've done more than Tommy. And oh, so do, has, do you think that? Okay, fair enough. So has so has Alistair Brimble. Yeah, I, I mean think. he's another proper legend, isn't he? I mean, yeah. No, well, you need to you need to contact the Guinness World Records then. Trust me. <laughs> I I don't think they have the record for it anymore. It was just a a one-off thing. It was cool though. I mean, it it, it brought a lot of attention to the industry. You know, it's, yeah. No, Music's not. definitely come of age, and I got to do the uh, the video games live thing in Brazil with uh, the the Top Gear and Horizon Chase medley. Oh, you did that. it with with Tommy, did you? And uh, is that right? Yeah, did, did did a big orchestral arrangement. And... Oh, he's talking about that. That sounds like a really good opportunity. Awesome. No, I mean that's amazing. How how big music like, sort of video game music is nowadays? It's absolutely incredible, isn't it? How yeah, how it's nuts. It I mean, you've worked like I said. You, you, Spanning a huge career, loads of genres, loads of platforms, many companies. Is there a particular game soundtrack that you just think that's I'm not you know I'm not some, that's the biggest part of my career? I'm so proud of that. And what, what's your overall favourite little game? Would you say music wise? 
Um, well, there was a couple. I mean, I really liked TFX yep. on the, the PC and stuff. Just because it was, we were at that turning point in technology where we were switching from from the music coming from computer hardware to CD, mm. and it, and it was the very last or one of the very last projects I did where it was generated on the computer on the on the sound cards, um, and I, and I thought this, you know, this, this, it was a, it was a st- pretty strong soundtrack. I thought, yeah, um, but I, I mean, Horizon Chase has been fucking amazing. That's I mean, amazing, it's. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a amazing great game. game. I love the game. It's so yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, I play look, my kids and stuff. And- oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I've, I've my um, my middle son. He was playing Forza on the Xbox One, and he just stopped playing that, and he started <laughs> playing Horizon Chase, and he was like, "Yeah, this is actually more fun." <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah an well, incredible that's. Game. I mean, somewhere along the line, all these driving games just stopped becoming fun because mm. you've got to spend like two hours dicking with your suspension. Yep. settings and uh, it just wasn't fun at all I agree now I don't want to um, I don't want to pigeonhole you and I, I don't want to offend you um, mm-hmm. but you're probably best known for your racing music your type your sort of Lotus, I'm thinking Lotus Formula 1 Top Gear Supercars I mean the list is ridiculous and obviously Horizon Chase Turbo would you would you kind of agree that's your kind of signature sound the kind of racing music and how, how does that kind of differ how, how do you sort of approach making music for a racing game as well I don't know. It's it's interesting. I was thinking about that earlier. The uh, it, games like Horizon Chase and stuff, where the soundtracks are, uh, you know, popular. Yeah. And then there's a game like Dark Quest Two, where I, I put my heart and soul into the soundtrack for this game, yeah. and it, it just like nobody really relates to it or connects with it because it's it's orchestral sound and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's strange. I, I think it's just all in the ear of the beholder again. I mean, I, I know I did an experiment when I was at Atari uh, back when Bandcamp was a, a community-driven website where people would upload their music and people would vote on it. Mm. I uploaded two pieces of music. One of them was uh, Basie from Rush 2049, and one of them was uh, like a, a Sky World. Uh, no, it was Fields of Fire from Gauntlet Dark Legacy. And I put them both on Bandcamp, and Basie, which basically took an hour or two to write, went straight to number one on the dance charts, and the orchestral piece uh, only went to number 15 in the orchestral charts. So it was like, maybe it's just the style of music. It's, yeah. Or maybe my orchestral stuff's just shitty. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose it depends on the game completely, doesn't it? But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what do you think? Have you got a personal favourite racing game soundtrack you worked on, and um, how how could you explain how that that came about, kind of thing? I don't know. I, I think the the racing game soundtrack. I think that I've been writing over the course of my career has just been it's just been an extension. One part flows onto the next yeah. part. Um, I mean, if if you listen to the end of like uh, Top Gear Rally, towards the end of that, uh, it was starting to become more simpler drums and bass stuff, mm-hmm. which is what became Rush Two and Rush Twenty Forty Nine, um, yeah. and those started to morph back into being retro soundtracks, uh, which would have led on to Horizon Chase, I guess. So it's just kind of carried on where I've left off on the last racing game. It's a quite an organic sort of journey, really. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, you know, things like Lotus Two and stuff were. Oh, that's amazing. Just, yeah, it was. It was a. It, honestly, I mean, the, uh, 
if if you can imagine, I was told, yeah, we're doing the music for Lotus Two game. I was like, okay, great. So I go to sleep that night, and I have a dream where I I dreamt about this melody that I should write, and then I went into work yes the next day and spent two hours banging out this title tune for Lotus Two, and boom, it was done. I mean. I've just I've been listening to it today earlier today. I've been saying showing my wife and listening to this on YouTube, and it's brilliant. I mean, you actually generally had a dream about it. Yeah, yeah, it was totally strange. It's one of the very few that I've had a, had the ideas come from a dream. You get ideas, inspiration from all kinds of places. Yeah, I mean that one was definitely divine intervention or inspiration. I mean, I love that game. Are you? I mean, it's the first Lotus is great, but Lotus Two. Uh, I think it was the pinnacle of the series, personally. I thought it was brilliant on the Amiga. And the soundtrack just added to it. I mean, are you a fan of the game itself as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. We played the shit out of the yeah. Lotus games and Kickoff 2 and stuff. Mm. That's brilliant. Um, I've got to ask, actually, looking at your list of games, Weird Dreams. I'm, I'm a massive fan. Do you, do you remember working on that game? Yeah, it, it was just a conversion. I think oh, right. David Whitaker had done the Amiga version or something, and we had to convert it to the PC and the C64. Yeah. Maybe. Um, which was, I mean, he. I remember specifically it had Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy in it. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having, having to transcribe that or try and uh, it, arrange it by ear is, well, for me, it was fucking impossible. <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't imagine doing this. So you got to think back then it was before the internet. So yeah. I had to phone around every sheet music shop in Leeds uh, to find someone that actually had the sheet music for it and then take the train into Leeds, go buy the sheet music and come back and then <laughs> arrange it for the ad lib and C64. Brilliant. It was horrendous. I mean, I know, I know exactly what level you're talking about. It's got the, yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's a great game. Uh, I have to say, I've, I don't know if you played it personally, but it's, it's very weird as, as the name suggests. Yeah. I, th- I think I remember playing it. I remember we played. I mean, back in those days, you could play every game that came out. We'd pirate the shit out of games mm-hmm. and play all the Amiga games or C64 games. Good stuff. I mean, the Amiga, just, just a bit of time on the Amiga. I'm, you know, we're massive fans of the Amiga on the Arcade Attack. And we've often, we've often heard that it's so good and so easy to make decent, you know, good music on, obviously, in the talent. But do you, would you agree that it was a really good machine to, uh, to get your teeth into? Oh, definitely. I mean, the sound capabilities, yeah. Up until then, you had to have a, a music driver. Uh, yeah. And depending on how good your music driver was, really affected the quality of how your music sounded, how realistic it would sound. Yeah. Uh, so the Amiga, because you all use digital samples, well, fuck yeah, anybody could make a good snare drum just by having a, a sample of a snare drum. It yeah. made it so much easier. No, good stuff. I mean... People still make music on it today, don't they? So it just shows you. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I'm, I'm part of the maniacs of noise, and uh, there was uh, some. One of the guys in there was posting one of his new uh, Commodore 64 tunes, and it was just like, how the hell did he even get these sounds out of the Commodore 64? He was doing crazy ring modulation filter stuff, and must have taken him weeks to get those sounds, not just hours or days, you know. Yeah, good stuff. Um, back to kind of go back and forth in your career a bit, but back to Horizon Chase. Uh, yeah. Horizon Chase, a brilliant. I mean, it's excellent. And uh, how, how did you get the opportunity to to work on this game? I mean, we we featured um, he, he, Jesus, I believe his name is on on the site earlier, and I'd, I'd love to hear how you got the opportunity. Oh, Jesus is a good guy. 
We yeah. always have a. He, he's so good at his job too. We tease him a lot because he's in PR. You know, yeah. if you ever kill someone, you want to have Jesus by your side because he'll be like, "This is no problem. We yeah. can fix this. This is a good thing. It's not a bad thing." Yeah. But uh, yeah, they they, uh, they messaged me on uh, Facebook. Yeah. It was Hamilton Diesel. Um, he's a really nice guy, artist uh, background, I think. Um, from Aquarius, he's like, hey, I work for Aquarius Games in Brazil. We're Brazil's biggest game developer, mm. and we're making a retro racing game. Do you want to do the music for it? And uh, I was like, they make games in Brazil? Yeah. I, I was like, fuck, I didn't know this. I mean, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I knew Top Gear had become really famous in Brazil. Oh, wow, really? I didn't. That's a good little fact. All of South America. It's Mario famous, man. It's really? Yeah. I mean, it was, a, was it a SNES exclusive? Was it... No, no, no. Well, Top Gear was SNES exclusive. Yeah. Uh, the later ones were on other platforms. Oh, okay, of course, of course. But in South America, uh, the SNES and Genesis had a really long shelf life. Oh, yep, yep. Uh, I think Sony must have really screwed up the PS1 release in South America or just didn't bother um, because people just kept playing their SNESs for years and years. Mm. And because it was one of the few split-screen multiplayer games, people just kept playing it. That's amazing. So they all know the music. Everybody knows the music for Top Gear. I, I even stopped a policeman on the streets down there and were asking him, hey, you, you don't happen to know the music from Top Gear, do you? And he's like, yeah, I know the music. Wow. I mean, starts whistling it. That's amazing. I mean, um, you obviously traveled to Brazil then. Was Did you have to go there? Did you, did you move out there for a few months or how? No, I was uh, I was down in Brazil for two things, uh, two times. One was for the video games live concert. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. in Rio and Belo Horizonte, and the other one was uh, the big uh, Brazilian indie game festival, which was last year. And I went to Peru last year as well. Wow, that sounds pretty fun. <laughs> fucking crazy, it's, yeah. In South America, everybody in South America seems to know Top Gear. It's I mean. Nuts. Does that blow your mind a bit? I mean, it was pretty yeah, big. Was... I, had, I had to go to an event where they had a billboard with a fucking picture of me on it. They don't have billboards around here with my picture on it. <laughs> one day, Barry. One... That's a, is, there, is there any other countries that have know your games really well out of interest? Is there any other crazy um, obsessions? Not or... that popular. I mean, Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, all those people down there. Colombia. I mean, I, I, it's all South America. They really, really like their Top Gear. Yeah, because I mean, I, I have I've played it a little bit, but for me, uh, it's it's all about Lotus when I think about your sort of racing music. But wow, there you go. There you yeah, go. and what's messed up? I mean, for me, I was all about Lotus as well. I mean, Top Gear. When we did Top Gear, they were like, "Yeah, we need to put Lotus on the the Super Nintendo," but they don't want to pay for the license, or they don't uh, want to pay the uh, Sean Southern's guys. They were just doing it in house at Gremlin. So, like, we need some music. So I was like, all right, I guess, I mean, it's a Super Nintendo. Now, the Super Nintendo development kit was very, very expensive. Uh-huh. Um, and so we didn't have one at Imagitech. So I had to go down to Gremlin to do this music, which meant for a week. or I, got the, I think I was scheduled to go down there for a week. And that meant I had to sleep on a programmer's floor for a week or in the office, wherever. And... Uh, so I go down there and I start writing the music and uh, on a development kit that I'd never seen before and the manual's all in Chinese, so yeah. you're just poking around trying to find out how the hell the damn thing works. And by the time I got the first piece of music done, it was I'm already like two, uh, one, two, two, two and a half days into the week. 
So it's like, fuck, we need to get, I'm, I'm not going to write all these tunes in one week. So that's why we ended up grabbing some music from Lotus 1 and Lotus 2 and just uh, throwing them in there. So it, it was really just like a throwaway project that didn't, didn't give it a second thought, really. So it didn't really resonate with you until many years later, I assume, and how, yeah, how yeah. big the, it was. Yeah, these guys from Brazil, it was Nino Mega Driver contacted me. Oh. And he says, hey, I, I can play your Top Gear music on guitar. I was like, fuck off, you can't. Nobody can play that shit on guitar, that's mental. And he, and he sent me a video of him playing it. It's like, holy shit, he can play it. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> Just talking about the SNES then, was there a particular platform or console or machine that you loved the most making music on? What was the easiest and most fun, would you say? Uh, the Well, definitely my favourite was the Roland MT32 sound card for uh, PC. Yeah. Just because it was so powerful and it sounded like real music. I mean, it, it was head and shoulders above everything else. And it was like $800. So wow. you have to think, like, 20 years ago, people were paying a 1000 for to have sound in their games. They would have an MT32 for the music, and then they'd have to buy a sound blaster on top of that so they could have digital speech. Incredible, isn't it? So, like the Wing Commander games and yeah. stuff, those were. You forget about. Yeah, I, I remember getting a PC, you kind of forget about getting the Sound Blaster card and all that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, MT32 was awesome. It was the dog's balls. <laughs> right, back to Horizon Chase. I mean, what was your main aims? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they said make it sound like Top Gear, but apart from that, what else was going through your mind when you were working on this, this amazing music? Well, they said there was like, make it like Top Gear, but more modern and better. Yeah. So I, usually when you start working on a project, the hardest pieces of music to write are the first piece and the last piece. The first piece is always difficult because you're trying to get on the same page creatively. Yeah. You're trying to make sure what you're writing is what they want. And the last tune's always difficult just because you've used all your fucking ideas up and you've no clue what to do next. Yeah. So uh, when I wrote the first tune, I, I, or when, I, when I started the first tune, I sent them a wee demo in. And, uh, you know, I'm expecting to get like a fucking three page email back where they criticize the, you know, the bass drum, the snare drum, all the hi-hats are too loud. Change this, change that. Yeah. And instead, I just got a two word email that just said fucking awesome. Oh, that's a great email. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I was like, well, holy shit, I'm just going to keep going then. I'm going to see how far I can go. I'm going to. I mean, they're looking at me like they think I'm a fucking rock star. So I'm just going to do whatever I fucking want. I'm yeah. going to go crazy. I'm going to add tons of arpeggios. I'm going to make it like a fucking wall of sound. <laughs> I'm going to put explosions in it. So things wow. like that. Just that sounds like a fun project. Was it a really fun project to work on then? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a ton of fun. I, I had a blast with it. Mm. Nice. But are you... um? Why do you, actually, why do you think it's been so successful? The game, it's an indie title, but it's really well polished. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just stupendously fun. Why do you personally think it's been such a success? Just because it's fun. It's a good game to play. Mm. You can sit down with your buddy and have a two-player game. Oh, yeah. and, you, and, and you can bridge that generation gap. You can play against your kids and your grandparents. You know, It's mm. the way games used to be. They're... You don't have to dick around with your suspension sentence. I agree. I, I think I think racing games kind of lost their way over the last few years. So I, I agree. Actually, it's just back to good old fashioned fun, a bit like Mario Kart, isn't it? Pick up and play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even well, even Mario Kart can be not much fun. I mean, I play that against my kids on the Wii, and the, <laughs> they get fucking power ups, and they're always beating you, killing you at the last second, just as you're about the blue shell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> 
This game sucks. I don't want to play it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you selling copies of Horizon Chase Turbo? Is that right? The soundtrack? Yeah, I've, I've got, uh, you can get signed CDs on my website or on Bandcamp, and you could buy the digital soundtrack on Bandcamp. Good stuff. Do you know if that's... Yeah. Spotify as well. You can listen to it for free on Spotify. Oh, there you go. I'll well, we'll put little links... We'll put links on when we, when we put this uh, podcast out, definitely. Because if no one's heard it, they've got to give it a try. Even if not playing the game, it's actually incredible. Oh, thanks, man. I'm glad you like it. It's brilliant. Which was your, uh, here's an interesting question. Which was your least favourite tune? Oh, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> uh, I, was just, <laughs> I was listening to it earlier today. I didn't really look at the, the titles, actually. Um uh. Oh, you got me there, Barry. I haven't answered that, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, you can text me later and tell me. I'll let you know, definitely. Sorry. Um, I, I put it on just on Spotify in the background, truthfully. So, but it's, it's great stuff. It is great. Thanks. Um, I, would you, would you ever consider maybe releasing it on vinyl, for example? I mean, that's, I'm sure you're aware a lot of, um, video game music now is, is released on vinyl, like via data discs and so forth. Would that be anything that would interest you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've looked at it myself. I looked at getting a bunch of vinyl printed up, but to be honest, I didn't see a whole ton of demand for it. But I've been talking to some people who are actually considering making doing it on vinyl, and that's why that's why I was at my lawyer's before this call was. Uh, I had to run the contract ah. by him. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, there's a very good chance it might actually see vinyl. I mean, it might not be. It, it might not be the uh, the double album picture disc that I wanted to make, but yeah. it'd still be pretty damn cool to see it on vinyl. I mean, could you see any of, any of your other soundtracks, any other the games being released? Well, uh, the the problem with vinyl is it, it costs like uh, it's about five grand to get a hundred of them printed, right. and five grand to get uh, five hundred of them printed, and then if you get a hundred thousand printed, it's like twenty grand. You know, it, right. it doesn't scale proportionately. It's it's horrible. It, it's real expensive to get to get small quantities made. But if you make shit tons of them, they're real cheap. So you need the, you need that demand initially, don't you? Yeah, yeah, which really sucks. I mean, I, I suppose I could try and do a Kickstarter or something, but it's I don't know. I just don't think there's enough demand for people that. I mean, there's there's only so many people want to buy vinyl, and that's even smaller subset of them that want to buy soundtracks for video games. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Shit, maybe there's thousands of people out there that want to buy a soundtrack on vinyl. Well, well, we tell people to email you and stuff. Get in contact if they're desperate. You know, go to your website and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, I mean, hit me up on Facebook. That's usually the best way to get hold of me. Good stuff, Barry. Um, just interesting. Did you ever work? I mean, did you ever create any music for any games that were never released? So, was there any games you thought, yeah, I made the soundtrack, but sadly. It never actually got in the game because it wasn't released, for example. Yeah, there's there's been several. I mean, the most recent one was uh, right after Horizon Chase. I did the soundtrack for a game called Mad Balls, which was a <laughs> Marble Madness remake. Okay. And the, the game was shaping up beautifully. It's a four-player split screen. I mean, it, it's really good. And I, I thought I did a kick-ass soundtrack for it, but the game... Uh, the guys developing it, the, uh, they had to focus on some other stuff to keep... Uh, keep the company going and to do some other projects ah. so i don't know if it's been shelved indefinitely um i remember playing that game on the spectrum uh mobile madness it's a good game actually i, I think a, a combat would be very good actually i think it could work couldn't it multiplayer yeah definitely and it, it, it definitely i mean I, i've seen demos of the game played it myself and it was pretty damn fun i yeah. mean and i had fun with the soundtrack for that i mean each piece of music i wrote I tried to write it in the style of a composer that had influenced me. 
So I went back and I even used uh, a little snippet of uh, Brad Fuller's original uh, music for uh, Marble Madness. Oh, cool. Just as a reference to him, because yeah. he, he, he passed on just a couple of years ago. Oh, I'm sad to hear that. Yeah, so a bit of a homage, a bit of a tribute. Yeah, yeah and of course there's Rob Hubbard and, yeah, he's a, he's a legend, uh, and all kinds of other people in there. Nice one. I mean, a tough question, but it ha- you're still in the game, of, obviously, now. But how would you reflect back on your amazing career? I mean, you've been, like I said, 34 years. I mean, is there a, you know, how would you look back? Was it always sunshine and rainbows or some tough times? Or what, what have you learned along the way? There is no career more difficult to make money at than writing music. Mm. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's the wrong career to make money at. It is very, very difficult. Yeah. And and like any any kind of recording artist or whatever, your popularity wanes in time. I think. Um, I mean, you you look at all the all the composers that started uh, either before me or around the same time. Uh, there's very few that are still full time composers. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I can only think of one, maybe two. I mean, I was I spoke to Nathan McCree uh, not too long ago, and he's obviously known for his awesome Tomb Raider soundtracks. Um, but he he was kind of alluring to the same thing. It's a tough it's a tough job. He, he has to work long hours, and it's not you know it's been some ups and downs. I think we, it's it's not easy, is it? I, I get that from you as well. Yeah. No, no. I mean, and it's really difficult to try and. I mean, at, at the same time, it's not just your career. You're trying to live your life. You're trying to raise families, mm-hmm. and you know, just the, the game industry. I I basically never turned down an opportunity that was good for my career. And as a result of that, I had to move house 33 times. Wow. Honestly, 33 times. Yeah. And that sucks. I mean, if you can imagine, I mean, it's all right when you're younger, but when you've got a wife and kids yeah. and then you try and get mortgages and stuff, it's it's nuts. Do you mind going for it? I mean, obviously, you're from Scotland originally. Is that correct, Barry? Yeah. 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 I grew up in Scotland. And then... yeah. At the age of 18, I got hired by uh, Catalyst Coders in mm. Portsmouth, which was a real fly-by-night game developer yeah. who, who had no money um, and ended up working for them for, for very, very little money. I think it was less than unemployment. <laughs> um, wow. But, you know, but that, that got me started. I, I worked yeah. there for several months, and then we went to st- – we started our own game development company, and we lived in London for – three or four months, banged out a couple of video games. And then we went to work at Imagitech in North Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, in Dewsbury, which was grim. Uh, I was there for (laughs) several years, and then I moved to Ocean in Manchester. And then from there I went to Origin Systems in Texas. And from there to Boss Games. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, uh, Boss Games in Seattle. Yeah, wow. And then to Atari Games in California. And then I went to Fisher Price in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> You've been all, say, are you based? East, are you live in America now, then, the US? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a little town called Bryan in Northwest Ohio. <laughs> oh, really? It's it's got a population of like eight thousand people. It was it was voted the safest city in Ohio because of the low crime and stuff. Oh, I love it. Nice. I mean, do you, do you get a chance to come back to Scotland or the UK much, or is it you? Not really. I mean, I've been been back twice since I left, really, and yeah. that was what twenty five years ago. Wow! So you're proper, yeah, proper established over there now. I mean, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I, I suppose you had to move where the work was, but do you kind of miss the UK at all? Or? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, I miss the people, the, you know, the the pub culture are always like just nipping out for a quick pint mm. and having a blether with your mates. Yeah. Uh, talking bollocks over a pint. <laughs> that, that's just something Americans don't do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, and then TV and stuff, the greasy food. I miss that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, good stuff. I mean, it's, it's great to hear. I mean, you've, you've done really well. And uh, like you say, you know, I mean, how would you, I mean, can you run us through a typical day of maybe writing music for a video game? I suppose it's, it, every day's a bit different, but is there a typical thing you put, you, you do to start and complete a track, for example? Um, it's a good question. It varies, you know, sometimes when I'm working on a game, I'll tend to focus on nothing but that. Um, yeah. I tend to get grouchy and lock myself away from the family and stuff. <laughs> uh, I get very tunnel visioned and, uh, I'll just I'll come into my studio and work on the music solidly for four, six, ten, twelve hours. Just depends on however I feel that day. Um, yeah. And then you you know you send off what you've done for approval or to make sure nobody hates something that's in the music. And it's it's fairly easy going. I mean, the other part of the time is when you're when you have nothing on and you get up and you sit in your boxers watching YouTube videos till two in the afternoon and. <laughs> You know, like, well, shit, I better get a shower and check my email. And <laughs> yeah. Ah, good. I mean, you mentioned a bit earlier about inspirations. What what personally inspires you when you work on video game music? Is it other bands, other composers, films, for example? What what would you say is a big inspiration for you? You get inspired from anything. I mean, the, it, it's funny where you can find inspiration. Um, I'll give you a good example of this. Yeah, please. Was, yeah. So I live in this little town in the middle of fucking nowhere in Ohio, and... Uh, one of the local guys, uh, he bought an old church and he converted it into a bar and restaurant. So the the basement of the church is all this, this restaurant. And he hired this chef that was out of the world. Yeah. Chef Tony, Tony Miller. I'll give him a, a name check there because he's definitely, he's an incredible chef. So if you can imagine, I'm living in this little town in the middle of nowhere. And this chef at this restaurant is creating these meals that are not just taste fantastic, but they look fantastic too. They're an absolute work of art. It's the kind of thing you see on uh, on the internet, on Facebook, when someone goes to some crazy expensive New York restaurant and it's, yeah. it, it's a meal with flowers and woven into the, the meal that you're eating and stuff. It was just, it was beautiful and incredible and it was very, very inspiring because it was like, oh my God, somebody's creating art, you know, yeah. here in this little town. And I ended up... Uh, I was so inspired by it, I ended up writing a piece of music just be, just because the whole experience going into this mm. church where he had uh, he had collated all these uh, wonderful uh, religious artifacts from all around the world. You know, he's got Mongolian warriors, uh, Catholic uh, rosary stuff. You know, it's just every different religion, the Tibetan prayer flags and stuff. Yeah, and this wonderful bar where he's brewing his own beer and these beautiful works of art of uh, food are being created. And uh, I was so inspired. I ended up writing a piece of music for him and we ended up using it in the, uh, he was doing stage shows upstairs in the church where they would have bands and comedians and stuff come in and we'd play the music before the bands came on stage and stuff. It was, it was very cool. Good on you. That's a great story, Barry. I bet, I bet was he blown away when you told him that he made this music for him? 
Uh, I think he was a bit fucking confused. I mean, yeah, you've got someone going here. I've written you a piece of music. What the fuck? Who are you? Done yeah. <laughs> what? Get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there you go. If I, <laughs> you have to give it. Do you want to get what's the restaurant called again? <laughs> it's called Father John's. Father John's. So anyone's around. Is it a high? A high, you said, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Brian Ohio. Brilliant. The chef isn't there anymore. He moved, he got snapped up and went to uh, Hawaii oh, working in some top restaurants there. He, wow. He's a good guy. I've got him on my Facebook just in case he ever comes back to the mainland. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. Um, I mean, you've been, you've worked in some great companies, really iconic, famous companies, video game companies. Is there a particular place that you most enjoyed and you thought, yeah, this is, this is great, good rapport, great music being created? And if so, can you explain where that was? Well, Imagitech was great because, I mean, we were all young. I mean, the average age was probably 20. Um, it was basically like a big frat house, and we just had a we had a fucking great laugh every day. We were, you know, making video games, and working hard and partying hard. I mean, yeah. we didn't make shit for money, but we had a lot of fun. Yeah. And then at Ocean, Ocean was really uh, – Ocean was – I mean, for me personally, it was – I really felt like this was my this was my moment. It's yeah. what I'd always dreamed of. I was now officially a proper composer. I was working at Ocean. Yeah, huge company. The, yeah, and, and working with Dean Evans, who was just another amazing composer. And me and him got on great. We would uh, we 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 would both start writing pieces of music in the mornings, and then we would switch offices and just work on each other's pieces of music in the afternoons. It was great. You know, whenever you get stuck for an idea, you yeah. didn't know what to do next or. To, to bring something different to the piece. And then Origin. Origin was really fucking weird because the British game industry was work hard, play hard, get it done. Mm. And then when I got to America, uh, Origin were like, okay, here's your office. Here's, you've got a, we give you your own garbage can, your own stapler. Imagine take we had to fight every day because there was 50 employees and 49 chairs. So oh, some was wow. having a fist fight over a chair. <laughs> it's like musical <laughs> chairs. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and at Origin, they had everything, and they were like, yeah, you want 20, 30 grand's worth of synth gear, no problem, we'll get that for you. Wow. And uh, it, it was so weird, and, and they had, uh, they they would let you go for, uh, if, if, if you want to leave the office, if you want to go and watch a movie at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, that's fine, go do it. But you have deadlines, and if you don't make the deadlines, you're not going to be fucking working here. Right, yeah, yeah. So the offices, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the offices would be dead empty. And then, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, people would be there till midnight working <laughs> 24 hours. Get the deadlines done, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, was there ever a piece of music for any video game? I mean, you've got a massive, lit, what, a ridiculous amount of games you worked on. Was there any game you thought, nah, I don't, I'm not really feeling it, or you found it really hard to make music for, or you just, just didn't sort of, you know, create the music you wanted for, maybe? Hmm. Um, it's a tough one. Game that I didn't want to work on. <laughs> or, the, or the, yeah, or you weren't happy with maybe, or you, you found it hard to get motivated to, to to create the music for possibly. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of spot those by the amount of Sisters of Mercy references in the mel- melodies that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you start hearing Sisters of Mercy, it's probably because I was stuck for an idea. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Now we well, fair. Um, apart from your own work, then uh, Barry, was there any any games that you've played recently or back in the past that you thought, wow, this is amazing music, and you've been like, properly impressed by? 
there was the yeah the stronghold uh, stronghold series of games stronghold and stronghold two stronghold crusader right yeah I loved those I, I fucking thought the soundtracks were great he he did a great job they were all I loved the melodies I loved his choice of instrumentation um yeah it, just those were great soundtracks um other than that I mean the, the games that I play tend to be that uh, I can play some boring games I play Train Simulator and uh, <laughs> Train Valley 2 is one I've put in a lot of hours. Supreme Commander Forged Alliance, that's another one. Okay. So, yeah, are you into more like simulation sort of games and things like that? Yeah, real-time strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, Do you have any advice? You said earlier it's a really tough gig, and I I get that. But do you have any advice for anyone that maybe is considering getting into the music industry or the game industry? Or what would you say to anyone looking to do that? What sort of advice would you give them? Take up programming. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, if you look on like the Reddit game developers yeah. uh, forum, there's just a post after post of someone wanting to write music for games for free. Right? You can't you can't compete with that? No. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody willing to do it for free, and as long as that's there, then you know you're lucky if you can get people to pay for it. And game developers, I mean, we are literally. You used to be able to play every single game that came out, and these days you can't do that. There's too many games. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's, it's it's a lesson in futility. Let you know we're we're drowning in a sea of media, whether it's games, films, TV. Oh, I agree. It's everywhere now, isn't it? It's, it's on our fingertips, really, isn't it? To be fair, yeah. um, did you ever get into programming at all? Is that anything that caught your eye, or is it always about the music for you? Nah, I tried programming. It was too hard. I, <laughs> I wrote some stuff on the Commodore sixty four. I even did a little bit of six five zero two assembly, and yeah, I, I had a programmer friend looked at it. It was just a simple scroll message on uh, my mind smear demo, and I had a programmer look at it, and he's looking at it, and he goes, "How the fuck does this even work? <laughs> it shouldn't fucking work. It's shit, shit code." Maybe it's just too good in a way. He blew his mind yeah. how good it was, possibly. <laughs> no, I think it's more likely it was just a fluke. <laughs> I mean, you've, like you said, you, how many games do you work on again? 329? 430. That's it. Sorry. Have you actually played every game you've worked on? Or uh, uh, Usually most of them, I think. Yeah. Maybe one or two that I haven't. Shoe people, I know I haven't played that. That was sh- <laughs> That looked shit. <laughs> I mean, out of all the games you've worked and made music for, is there one, what's your favourite game? Is there one you think, yeah, maybe not necessarily for the music itself, but this is a brilliant game, full stop? Um, well, the ones who've probably played the most would be Top Gear and Horizon Chase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or uh, not Top Gear, Lotus 2. Lotus 2, yeah. I mean, Inferno I thought was going to be a really good game, uh, but I never really got a chance to play it. Um. I played the demo a lot. I just don't think they followed through with the game. Same with uh, TFX. And they were going to make... Uh, at the same time, it, it, when I was at Ocean, uh, Digital Image Design were doing these great games. Uh, and they made that game epic. Uh, and it's... Uh, they, they did the Amiga version and I think the PC version. I'm not sure if if they were going to do a PC CD version because CDs were just starting, or yeah. if, it was, if it was Amiga CD. But we created a full soundtrack for it, and it was our very first CD audio soundtrack. It was all made with synthesizers. Oh, cool! Um, and 
that game never got released. Um, I've got the full soundtrack for it. I think Dean Evans posted a few of his tracks on YouTube for it, but I've still got mine. Those are unreleased. Oh, I mean, could you release them to the public or are you not allowed to? Or I've thought about it. I mean, I might do it someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. I, it, it, it's all orchestral stuff, so I'm always apprehensive about you know, if you release that, it just goes over over people's heads. No, yeah, I'm just, I get that, but I'm, you know, it's a shame, isn't it? You want the music out there, but no, I get I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, where's the best? So, so obviously people can find you on Facebook, where, but obviously your website is it is it barryleach dot com? Is that right? Or yep, yep, that's right. That's a good place to find out your latest projects and so forth. Um, what what games and projects are you currently working on? Are you allowed to give us a few sort of uh, exclusives or? Is it all under wraps right now? No, I'm working on uh, Dark Quest. Well, Dark Quest Two. We're we're finishing up. We're just doing the releases on the PlayStation Four, Switch, and I think it's already out on Xbox One. Okay. Um, we're also working on Story of a Gladiator, um, which is just a hack and slash thing. <laughs> that sounds pretty fun, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Try to think what else I've got going on. I've got a bunch of toy stuff going on. Um, Baby Einstein guitars and the like. Oh, so you actually you make music for, like you said, you said Fisher Price earlier. So you actually make music for like toys yeah, and so yeah. forth. Okay, cool. I can play you one if you want. Let yeah, me see. if that's all right. Yeah. That'd be brilliant. great <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure our listeners love that i mean that's brilliant um is it really different working on toys compared to video games or is it all pretty much obviously it's a bit different but is it a different kind of mindset needed maybe oh totally and plus the the technology is very similar to to the old uh the old days where it's very limited polyphony and uh there's all these lovely restrictions where you know melodies like that all fit in a very small footprint of memory, you know, yeah, thirty-two, yeah. sixty-four kilobytes somewhere around there. Right. I mean, that's brilliant. Look, Barry, been, it's been brilliant talking to you. I really appreciate your time. I've got one sort of final crazy question. Then I'll, I'll leave you to because I know you're a busy man. Um, if you could go for a drink with any video game character, who would you choose and why? <laughs> any video game character? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> we've had a lot. I tell you what, we've had a lot of Lara Crofts. So I'll tell you that in the past. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have that same. Well, the, the, there's a long story about Core, and uh, I probably shouldn't tell that on the podcast. You're not, a fan of, oh, you're not a fan of Core, then? Is that fair enough? <laughs> yeah, the Tomb Raider stuff in general. Oh, okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> God, try the video game character. Yeah. Shit. I can't even think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of your games are like, like cars, aren't they? Really, so you can't really. Go yeah, does, I mean, does it have to be from my games? Or it could be anything, game? any any character at all. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go for something that I'm familiar with. Then probably Supreme Commander. There you go. Good answer. And talk <laughs> battle tactics. Oh, but, look, Barry, it's been a real pleasure. It's so interesting to hear about your career and. Um, yeah, you, you know you're still going strong, so there's going to be lots more coming coming out, I'm sure. So, but really appreciate your time today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. If anybody needs some game audio, 
it's never too early to think about it. Give me a call. We can talk. Yeah, no, I think obviously <laughs> we no do it because and if, if they're on the fence a little bit, listen to Horizon Chase Turbo. That's what I would say. That'd be that'd be the sweetener for me. That'd be the the, the, the you know that is amazing. So Thanks. yeah, good stuff. All right, Barry, I'll leave you to it, and you you take care. All right, you too, man. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow 82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.